Well, it was very in much great trepidation <laughs> that I went out on Saturday because I'm normally behind the guitar. Now, many years ago, um, it's a quick digression, somebody came to our church and he prayed for my wife and he looked at me and he said, you put that guitar away for six months because you hide behind it. Everybody was really upset. Not I, I was angry. I went home, I detuned my guitars, I put them up in the loft. God broke it. I didn't have to hide behind the guitar, but it's easy to hide behind things, isn't it? We hide behind what we do. It's easy. We hide behind it. I'm shy. We hide behind I'm shy. Jesus wasn't shy. (laughs) You see, we hide behind it. So I had to go out yesterday, and God was very gracious because everybody I spoke to, I spoke to, we spoke to a chap who sold clothes in the market. We spoke to an old man going along on a pusher thing. Lots of other black people. He said, talk to black people. He said, they're more open. He said, it's a good start. They are. He said, talk to the black, they're more open. We talked to the, they were Muslims. Hallelujah. Everybody I spoke to was a Christian. Everyone. So God was very gracious to me. He lets you in gently. Don't know what's going to happen next time. Anyway. (laughs) I want to start off. I hope we've got time. Um, I want to encourage you this morning. It's in after what we've been through. It's something God has been happy. I read something. I read I started reading in one one of the Gospels. And it just came alive to me. Something about it. It was like a, a river of life in it. So I, I want to start, I'm going to start by doing a little bit of background. We're going to go to Ezekiel 1, 10. We're going to go to oh, quite a few verses today. This is Ezekiel. He has a vision of heaven. And we get these creatures who have got wings in wings. They've got four faces. And they go hither and thither. And they are round the throne of God. He gets this great big vision. If we look in chapter 10, with the same creatures, we find that they're called cherubim. They're called cherubim. They dwell in the presence of God. They've got eyes all around the wings, around the wheels. They look incredible. But we're going to look at verse 10. (coughs) And the likeness of their faces, those they four had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle. Or in other version, other places it says, a flying eagle. All right? That's an ox. It, it could be, I looked this up, it could be a, a bullock. All right? A bullock, an ox. A, a beast of, this is Mark, we might be looking a bit at Mark. If we look in Revelation, go to the other end of the Bible. 4, verse 7, we see that John had exactly the same vision. 4, chapter 7, verse 7. So he had the same vision. These cherubim in the presence of God. Here we are in verse 7. And the first beast, he calls them beasts, was like a lion. The second beast was like a calf. Or a young bullock. It's the same animal. The third beast, the face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. 
You see, this is a vision that he, they had of the presence in the presence of God in the in the tabernacle. In the, the mercy seat was the wooden box covered with a, a, a gold with a lid of gold, and on top of the on top were two cherubim, and they looked down onto the mercy seat. And there, if you read in Psalm 80 and Psalm 91, both in, the, in verse one, we see that the presence of God was there in between the cherubim and the mercy seat. And David, other places you can go and look at when you get home, lots of other places it mentions the presence of God being in between the cherubim, the presence, the Shekinah glory of God. So they dwell in the glory of God. They were to do with the glory and the presence of God. We live in the presence of God because we have the mercy seat. Jesus is our mercy seat. So we see the same face. Now these faces are linked to the four Gospels. Each one is linked to one of the Gospels. All the Gospels are different. They were written to different people. And each one of these faces is linked to one of the four Gospels. Because Jesus is not just one dimension. He's a multi-dimensional Jesus is. And you can't get all about Jesus in one Gospel. Each gospel talks in a different, to a different type of people. They're all for a diff, to different people. They were all for, for a, a, in a different way. They were looking at, in a different way at Jesus. Like Matthew, if we look at, in, we're in Revelation 5, 5 here. One of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David had prevailed open the book. This is the line of the tribe of Judah. Now if we look, to get a clue of where, which one is which, we start looking at the beginning, the beginning of each of the Gospels. The beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, we see the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. He's talking about kingship here. He's talking about the king, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's who he's talking about. It's the lion. Because his his genealogy goes back to to King David. And also to Abraham, who was was the beginning of their kingdom, and who looked for for a kingdom. So it's talking about, if you look in Matthew, you see all those verses about the kingdom of God, all those parables. The kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like that. It's all about the kingdom of God. And it was to the Jews. There's loads and loads of verses about all the verses that were, all the verses in the Old Testament, the prophecies, goes into the Matthew, talks about them all the time. Let's go and have a look at Luke. He has a completely different genealogy. This genealogy was a genealogy which went from Joseph. If you look at the beginning of Luke you'll find a different genealogy. And this genealogy was a genealogy by Mary, his mother. Because in verse 23 of chapter 3, Jesus himself began to be 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. Because he's he's talking about Mary, who had, she had a, a Levitical line as well, because her Remember, her cousin was married to a, to the, a Levite, to a, to a priest. So this is a physical line, but it's talking 
And it goes right back. Where does that one go back to? Here, right in verse 38, the son of Adam. This is the man. He's talking about the man. He's full of compassion. Luke, as a doctor, was full of compassion. He's come to identify himself with us. He's a man of compassion. This is the man, Jesus, the son of man. You see, this book is all about the son of man. Right? He's in there with compassion all the time. So we can see from that genealogy. Now let's go to, to, to John's gospel. What's the genealogy in John's gospel? And which face do you think this is? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was, was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness comprehends it not. This is this flying eagle. This is a, John's gospel is incredible. It's completely different to the others. It's not in any particular order. It actually only does a very few, 21 days of the life of Jesus. Did you know that? I never knew that. It all takes bits to show that Jesus was divine. He was the son of God. This one is about the son of God because he come from God from heaven. That's the, that's the Jesus in John's gospel. We're going to look at the Jesus in the gospel of Mark. So we've only left with one face, and that's the face of the ox, a servant. The ox was there to serve. It wasn't there for itself. It was there for the person who owned it. It was there to, to feed them, there to play the fields. It was there to drag the carts. It was there for a job. It was a servant. The whole of Mark is about Jesus, the servant, the worker, the one who gets on with the job. And this is why I want to look at Mark. Because God has got a job for us to do out there to preach the gospel. And we, but we're fearful. But we'll find out what Mark is. Let's begin at the beginning of Mark. He goes straight in. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Where's, then the next. Where, where's the genealogy? Servants have no importance of a genealogy. Because they aren't, they're owned. They have no importance of a genealogy. Have they? There's nothing to inherit. They are not, they're not owned themselves. They're owned by somebody. So that's not important. And then we start reading Mark. And this has really got me. He goes straight in. He ta- starts straight talking about, the, about John in the wilderness. No, nothing about the man in Luke, where we get all that about Jesus being born. None of that. It's straight in. Straight in with John baptizing, and then we go into, into verse 8, verse chapter 1. We're going to read quite a bit of Mark now. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. What's the Holy Ghost for? The Holy Ghost is a comforter, the one who comes alongside, a paraclete, somebody who comes alongside to help us. Why do I have a cleaner in our house? To help my wife. We, haven't, we can't afford a servant. But we have a servant come alongside to help. The servant's there to help. So, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised of John in Jordan. Now here we have somebody who is in obscurity. He had 
His name was Jesus. Jesus was a common name. Nothing special about that. He came from Nazareth. Nothing special about Nazareth. Definitely nothing special about Nazareth. Galilee. Remember what they used to say about Galilee? Has anything good come out of Galilee? It's like saying, Luke, Southend, Essex. (laughs) Yeah? Or Basildon. I mean, come on. But see what happens. And then he goes into a river. He baptised by John, a man in... Nobody special, just a man who's in camel's clothes. You know, nothing special. A man living out in the middle of the desert in a dirty river, Jordan. Remember what Naaman said? We haven't got better rivers where we are. Who wanted me to get into the Jordan for? A dirty river. That was the start, but see what happens. Straightway, coming out of the water, the heavens opened. The spirit, like a dove, descended upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased. The complete change. Complete change. He was here as a, coming in as a nothing, seemingly in the world. We don't really hear. Nobody knew who Jesus If you look at nobody knew who Jesus was. His family were completely gobsmacked when he'd gone off and started preaching. It was just Jesus. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, you, look, you start looking at scripture, you'll find it's just, it was just a Jesus. He didn't seem to be anything at all. The only thing that was, was seen to be odd was when he was born and when he went to the temple. The rest of it was just ordinary. Because it is Jesus. We know he is, you know, his brothers and sisters. Nothing special. But that's the thing. When God gets hold of you, when heaven opens on your life, when the Holy Spirit comes down on your life and you're baptised into him, then there's something changes. And you become a special person in God. You become a beloved son in whom God is well pleased. That's what happens when God saves you. He changes you from obscurity to something wonderful. But it's not... Just so that you might be something wonderful, it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. Because straight away, now, this is a word you'll see. I, I'm reading from the AV, but if you've got another version, here it uses the word immediately, straightway, and forthwith. It's all the same Greek word. In your Bible, it will probably just say immediately. It says it in Mark's Gospel 40 times. You'll notice it as we go along. All right? And straightway coming out of the water. Straightway. Then in verse 12, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted with Satan with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. This Jesus has come to deal with temptation. The power of God to deal with temptation. Jesus went through temptation so that you could carry on and resist temptation. Remember, he's a servant who's come to help. He's in your house to help. He's in you to help. All right? He lives in your house. If you have a servant, the servant lives in your house, doesn't it? The servant lives in your house. They have servants. If you go to the big houses, they used to live upstairs in the little rooms at the top. The servant lives in the house. If you walk down to Abbey, they live in the house. 
are there to serve the people. The Holy Ghost and Jesus lives in your house to help you this morning. So when you go out on the street, you know it's not you, but him, the servant of God. Right. Then, when John was put in prison, we're going to 14, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. He comes to bring the gospel to us and to us to share the gospel. He preaches the good news. Then he calls us. He could, then he goes on. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you wonderful preachers. I will make you prosperous. I will make you this. No, I will make you fishers of men. They were there for a job. They weren't there just for themselves. And as he walked, he saw them. And straightway, here we go, another one, straightway or immediately, they forsook their nets and followed him. And then he'd gone a little further and he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were their ships, men in their nets. And straightway, or immediately, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after them. And they went into Capernaum and straightway, or immediately, immediately on the Sabbath day, he taught in the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his doctrine. He is in us to teach us, and he's to astonish us with his doctrine. That's what he does. He comes to astonish us with his doctrine. He had one with authority, not as scribes. He comes, even though as he comes with a servant, he has authority. Remember the chap, the centurion, who said, don't need to go to my house, just say the word. Jesus said, I recognize you. You have authority. You just say the word. And Jesus said, I've never seen such faith. Faith is this. Being a servant is being in faith. You just do what you're told. Do what he calls you to do. Where are we? And there was a synagogue. Then, in the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, Let us alone. There obviously wasn't just one of them, there was a number of them. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? He wasn't going to recognize Jesus as anything else but from Nazareth. The horrible man, the horrible place up there in up north. Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and said, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the Holy, the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out from him. He comes to deal with the work of Satan in your life. And he comes also to shut him up. He said, Don't you dare say anything. Because his job was to preach the gospel. His job, the Holy Spirit and him, were there to show who Jesus was. He didn't want the devil to come and do his work for him. He said, you shut up. Don't you dare let anybody... Don't you dare say who I am. It's the Holy Spirit's job to say who I am and convict people of sin. If you just say it, he won't do any, any effect on them. You shut up. So he tells the devil to shut up in your life. The power of God deals with him. 
it. Final, it. He did deal with him. He dealt with him finally on the cross, didn't he? Right. And they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine? For with authority commanded even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. We have something inside us, the servant of God who works in us, who gives us authority to tell them, out, out. Or, you leave my life alone, don't you dare touch me. I belong to God. And immediately, his fame spread throughout all the region of Galilee, and forthwith, or immediately, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew, and James and John. But Simon's mother, wife's mother, lay sick of a fever, and they told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand, and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she sat and watched television. <laughs> no! She ministered unto them. She, he healed her so she could carry on being a servant. So she could serve. He heals us so we can serve. And even, this is a wonderful passage. Even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of many diseases, all sorts of diseases. He cast out many deafness, and he suffered them not to speak because they knew him. Wow. Wow. This is the servant Jesus. He's at work, isn't he? Can you see how it's continuous? One thing after the other. And, 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 and. If you look, I'll just give you a little thing. Go to chapter 2. What's the first word? And. Chapter 3. And. Chapter 4. Chapter 5. And. Out of 16 chapters, 12 start with and. And, and, and. He's got a job to do. I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and. My wife gets upset with me. I say, I've got this to do, and I've got that to do, and I've got and this, and that, and that. She said, I don't know what, I don't want to know what you've got to do. I've got enough for myself to do. And, he's an and, a God of the and, I've got more to do. I've got more to do. If you look at the end of the gospel, you see exactly the same thing. The Holy Spirit goes. He gives them some instructions at the end. I wasn't going to do this now, but I'll do it now, now I've started. In verse, in chapter 16, he, took, he says, Go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth in baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast their demons, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any dead feeling, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay on hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. So he sat down. But he said he'd sent the Holy Spirit to carry on doing the same work. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. That's a very important verse. The Lord working with them. This same Lord we've seen here who is going on. It's like a, it's almost like a roller coaster, isn't it? 
this, this mark, you begin to read it. It's like that all the way through, continuous, one thing after the other. He said, in the morning rising in a great while, on verse, now on verse 35, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were up with him followed after him. And they found him and they said, everyone's seeking you. And he said, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. That's my job. That's my job. I'm a servant. So you can see the servanthood of Jesus. And there was a leper came. He cleansed the leper. Leprosy, very often, if you're taking it as a picture in the scripture, leprosy talks about sin. He cleansed the leper. Didn't heal the lepers, he cleansed them. He cleansed the leper. He said if he was moved with compassion, and he touched him in verse, and he said, you'll be clean. And, he, and as soon as he'd spoken, he immediately, again, the leprosy departed. And he straightway charged him, and immediately sent him away. It's always continuous and immediately. God is not a God who is sitting on his, his behind doing nothing. He is a God who's a servant who wants to work in us and through us. And that's what we're going out on the streets is. Praying for the... And in our lives. We are changed by the glory of God inside us. We're changed by the power of God inside us. But the, the main motivation is those out there. Isn't it? And then we could, we, could, we could carry on all the way through. Then there, we, there, there was a, the man who came down through the roof and, his sins, and he said, your sins are forgiven. It's all the way through, you can keep reading through it, it's one thing after the other. It's continuous. And this is what God is like in your life. He is continuously moving in your life. We'll see that if we go into... A very, I know a very favourite... Um, <laughs> Verse uh, section for Alan, Philippians 2. Five to thirteen. Very famous passage scripture. But we're going to see something a little bit different in it than normally. Philippians, I'm in Ephesians. Won't be very good, will it? Philippians 2. Five. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now we see here that there are, we saw before that there were four things about Jesus. There was his kingship, his servanthood. There was his being a man and having compassion and there's him being spiritual. Let's read this. Who being in the form of God fought in not robbery to be equal with God. Here's the eagle. He's the eagle, Jesus, the Son of God. And being, he made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant. Here is Mark's gospel, the form of a servant. And was made the likeness of man. And found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here's the man who identified completely with us, the man of Luke. Wherefore also God hath exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven 
earth and under the earth. That's Matthew, the king. The king. The reigning king. The anointed righteous king whom everyone will bow down to. You see, we have them all here. All four faces in this bit. I've never seen it before. I've all four faces in this bit. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. It's the same God in Matthew who immediately and doing all these things who is working in you to will and to do after his own good pleasure. It's God working in me. The same God who is in Mark. The same one who's always going forward, always looking to do the will of God, always pleasing the Father. Now, we we get all the same, we get overlaps into the other Gospels of that, because in John he says he only ever did what the Father told him to. He was a servant there. You'll find parts of it, but the Gospels, it's clear that we can see that he he was a servant. And and Mark seems to latch on to that more than the other. His servant. You see? Do all things that murmurings and displeasings. You may be blameless and harmless. You see, servants, if they are murmuring, they'll be in trouble. No food for you tonight, mate. Or sack them, get rid of them. You see? Now that's, you, we won't get the sack from God. But, they, but you can see the picture of the servanthood there, can't you? Because it's God. And this is what I want you to catch hold of. It's God that works in us this morning. It's God who works in you. Let's look at some of these verses. Let's look at Ephesians. We've looked at one here. Let's look at Ephesians 1, chapter 19. We'll, we'll do a few in Ephesians. There's quite a few in Ephesians. One nineteen. Paul is praying. I'll start at verse 16. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. For the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being lightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in his sake, and what is the exceeding power Greatness of his power to us, Lord, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And you say, well, that's talking about the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's not talking about the power in me. Oh, no, if you go in Romans 8, 11, you'll say, if the spirit of God that dwelled in Jesus, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, dwells in you, he will quicken you. He'll make you alive. It is talking about the Spirit of God in us that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that was in Jesus, in God, in Jesus, raising him from the dead, raises you from the dead and raises you to life and works in you. Works in you. Let's go on to chapter 2, verse 10. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's go into 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do, what? Miserably? Not very well? No. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all, all you can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. The same power that drove Jesus to preach the gospel in all the towns. Now, I was reading somewhere that there were, hundreds, there were loads and loads of towns. It was much more populated. There were lots of big towns around Galilee. And Jesus went around all of them. Spent ages going around all the towns. Everywhere, I must go. I must go. The same power that was in Jesus to drive him to do that is in us. He's able to do exceedingly abundant. Some people came back yesterday and thought exceedingly abundant. One chap gave a testimony. You see, he went off to Washington and he said, what God did there was exceeding abundantly more than I could ever ask or think. I'd never expected the sort of thing he, he, he was sharing. I can't share the story, but it was just wonderful. It completely blew him away. What God did, did through him. Hallelujah. It's wonderful, isn't he? But does this power automatically work in us? Or do we have to do something? Or do we have to have an attitude of heart? Let's look at Colossians 1.29. This is Paul talking. Well, he's talking about a mystery in verse 26, in chapter 126, Colossians 1.26, a mystery which has been hid for me ages from generations, but has now been manifest to us, the saints, in whom God will make known what the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This same Christ, which walked in on the earth, and, and Mark spoke about, and they all spoke about, the glorious Christ is in us. Whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, Whereunto I also labour, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So sometimes we just have to keep going. But it is his working that works in us mightily to preach the gospel, to share the good news. Isn't it? Wonderful. Ephesians 3.7 Go back to Ephesians 3, 7. Guess the right verse, let's see. Paul says that, that, the Gentiles, that he's talking again about the Gentiles because that's who he was saying, who he was talking to, that they might be fellow heirs of the same body. That's the same that with the Jews in accepting Christ. Um, partakers of the promises in Christ by the gospel, by the good news. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. He's working in us to preach the gospel. He's the one inside us. And you people here who, who spoke to people yesterday experienced the gospel doing its job, the effectual working of the Jesus Christ the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
He says, in, uh, we can look at a few more. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. You're by the grace of God, you are what you are. You're different to other people. We're not all like Paul. We're all different. We're all you are what you are. All right? You're not anything else. You're what God has made you. And his grace which bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I laboured more than abundant, abundantly more than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. The grace of God which he received in him work through him. He says uh, that we are, in, in, if you go in chapter, we can, go in, we can look at this, 2 Corinthians 6, 1. We then are workers together with him. I beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. He received the grace of God and worked with the grace of God, allowing the grace of God to work through him but he said, I don't want you to have it in vain. The only way you can do it is letting him work through you. Let's look at one more verse. Hebrews 13, 21. We've got a lot of verses. But they're all important because they give us a picture of the work of God going on in our lives. This is Paul's prayer at the end of Hebrews. We'll start at verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. It's his working in us. He's working in us. This morning. He's working in we have to say, I acknowledge this morning that God is working in my life. Now, if you don't know Jesus, then that, jo- that, that will not be working in your life. The gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ is that he came to save you from yourself and save you from sin, and you need to know him. That's the good news of the gospel, which we were, we were, we were looking at yesterday. But also, he wants us to be filled with this Holy Spirit so that that work can work in us this morning. So that he can work in us. We need to open our hearts up to the power of God. Because he's the one who works in us. His fire comes upon us and it burns out all the rubbish. All the old Jesus was baptised in water. He said, I'll come along and I'll baptise you in fire as well. So that the old life goes. Remember there in Jesus, he was nothing of no reputation of nothing. But when God got him, when he, worked, when he stepped into, the, into what God had called him to do as that servant, his whole life changed. He said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. And the spirit of the Lord can be upon you this morning. The spirit of the Lord can be upon you. To carry on doing that work, like Matthew at the beginning of Mark, there you see, a continual working, God working in us and through us. That's what he wants to do with us this morning.
That's what he wants to do us this morning. I'm asking Alan and Peter to come and people who want to say, Lord, I want to know this reality of this working in my life. If you know Jesus, you can come forward and have Alan on, and people will pray for you. That you may know the power of God in your life to change you completely, set you on fire, so that you can know the confidence of, of sharing Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Because that's what we're here for. We're here as servants of God to do the will of God. And the will of God is, there are other wills of God. There's the will that we should praise him all the time. But the main thing is that we should preach the gospel and bring others to Jesus Christ. That's the main thrust of the gospel. Because there's no point else we just sit here and and we, we become insular. And we become ineffective. We become effective when we, and we get the fire when we go out and start preaching the gospel. That's what happened to Jesus. He starts to change us. He gives us a compassion for people. You see, because we have all that thing inside us. We have the king of kings living inside us. We have, not only do we have the servant doing the work for us, we have the king of kings alongside us who's defeated every enemy. We have the, we have the, Holy, we have the, the spirit of the, of the eagle so we can hear from heaven the things of God. All these things happen to us. And we have the king of kings living in our lives. So we can be victorious. Because you know he's in charge. And whatever anybody says we're on the street, he doesn't touch us. Because we're in the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You can know this by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. But he wants to change us completely. So that we become on fire our wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and meet with us now. Reveal the presence, the power of of your life in us. Bring us like Paul prayed that we may become completely aware. Hallelujah. He would not have prayed that if people weren't aware. He prayed that they may have their understanding open to know what the power of God was in working inside them. Father, we just pray this morning you would meet people where they are to change their lives so much that the whole of their vision is on Jesus so that he becomes the most important thing in their life, not their problems, not all the other things that go on, but the wonderful love and life of Jesus. Hallelujah.